Thank you all so much for being here. Happy, happy, happy Easter to every single one of you. We are so pleased that you have chosen to come and worship with us today at the Rock Community Church. We count this a privilege that you would come and and spend this time with us this day. It is such a blessed day for those of us who have trusted and, and believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior This day goes beyond anything that we could ever hope for in our lives. And hopefully the message today will explain why it is that Easter is so special to every single one of us. This day to us as Christians is monumental in our lives. Um, I thought I would give a message concerning we've been studying through the book of Joshua. And uh, we're going to look there in a moment. But if you have a Bible... Would you do me a favor? Would you turn with me to the book of John? It's in the New Testament, of course. Uh, there's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, and then there's John. And look at the 11th chapter with me for a moment, please. It's a, an amazing place in the Word of God. Today is the day of days for those of us who have trusted in Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ as As we spoke on Good Friday, as Pastor Bill did such a wonderful job and the worship was so marvelous, he made a statement to everyone there. He said, He is risen, and we responded, He is risen indeed. This is the very issue of what we stand upon at this particular time of the year. It is the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to prove that He is exactly who He says He is and to make all death irrelevant powerless, if you would. It has been said of death, this quote from uh, a philosopher some time ago, to die is mournfully bitter, but the idea of having died without having lived is unbearable. I'd like to add to that. I think there is nothing that is devastating, as devastating as death. Death, to me, is bitter whether you have lived or not. We kind of came face to face to it in our community this past week as a, it was well publicized that a young man and three of his companions in a car was hit by a, another car and, and three of them died and one of them is in critical condition. And, and right to the forefront comes the idea of death. It's bitter. Ask any parent that has to bury a child. And a child that buries his mom and his dad. I believe that is nothing that is as devastating as death. Until. Until. Jesus Christ reassures us that knowing him. Will make death irrelevant. Powerless over us. One of my favorite people in all of scripture was a man by the name of the apostle Paul. He started off his life as pretty much a scoundrel. He, he persecuted Christians. He persecuted people within the church. He was, um, by his own statement, one of the chief of all sinners. He made a statement later in his life in the book of Philippians, which he wrote, the first chapter, the 21st verse. He says these marvelous words. He says, For me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. Isn't that an amazing statement? For me, to live is Christ. To die is 
gain. It's better. In John chapter 11, where I asked you to turn, there is a tremendous story. Jesus Christ had these three friends, two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they had a brother by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus was, was really sick. So they sent word to Jesus Christ, who was in another village, to come that their brother was very, very ill. Jesus came to their village, but by the time he got there, Lazarus had already been dead four days. When Martha saw Jesus Christ walking towards her village, she ran out to meet him. And this is what takes place. John chapter 11, verse 21 Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now that's, a, that's an amazing statement in and of itself, but think it through. She was saying that you, you dear Jesus, have the ability to stop death. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. She goes on to say in the next verse, verse 22, Even now, she adds, I know that whatever you ask of God, He will give you. Now listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Jesus is saying, Death is irrelevant, Martha. Your brother will rise again. She says, knowing the Bible, I know, verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus says to her, Martha, looking at her, I believe, dead in her eyes, those tearful eyes that she is expressing, my brother has died. If you would have been here, he would still be alive. And he says, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he who believes in me will live even if they die. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he looks at her. Do you believe this, Martha? You see, with that statement, Jesus Christ just made death irrelevant, powerless. Listen to her faith. She says in verse 27, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, I I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I believe that you're the Messiah. That you are God here on this earth. And whatever you ask of the Father, He will do for you. I believe, she says. The book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 6th verse, tells us this. Without faith, without belief, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, faith is that key 
faith is that key that God has given to every single one of us that opens up the door of eternity and allows us to stand before God righteous because of what He did for us upon the cross. Good Friday is an interesting name for that day. Good. Oh, if you know anything about what happened on that day, it was absolutely brutal. They beat Jesus Christ beyond recognition. They scourged him. They tore up his back with a a whip. And then they dragged him to the cross, nailed him upon the cross and until he died. That was what we call Good Friday. The good in it is what it means to you and me. The blood that he shed upon that cross is the goodness of that day. Easter, the resurrection day, this day, oh, this is good. This is where he rose from the dead to make death to you and me irrelevant. That dear family that has to bury their, the families that have to bury their children. I pray that they understand that. More I pray right now that you and I will understand what, what the Bible has to say about death. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, please, would you open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law? Would you, Father, do us the most wonderful privileges, and that is to speak to the most innermost being of each of us, that you, Father God, will, will touch our hearts this morning, not the speaker. It is my deepest prayer, Father, that you would move me aside, that I would not be even noticed, but what would be noticed is the essence of who you are and what you have done to this world in which we live so that we might have hope beyond measure. So, Lord, thank you for this day, this particular day of Easter, that we celebrate a risen Savior. Thank you for what we call Good Friday, that you shed your blood and gave of your life for us. But most importantly, thank you for today, where you rose from the dead to prove that you are exactly who you say you are. You are the one that Martha said, Oh, Lord, if you would have been here, you could have even stopped death itself. And so, Father, we come to you and we ask your goodness upon each of us here. Bless our loved ones. Bless our families. Just bless this time, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, we've been looking at a book called Joshua. You want to turn there? It's in the Old Testament. If you get to the, if you, if, if you get to the middle of the, of the Old Testament, it's, it's, usually you can find Psalms. Psalms is kind of right in the middle. It's still to the left. It would still be a, a little bit to the left from the book of Psalms. Uh, you'd go uh, past a, a book called Esther, if you're there, and Ezra, and then First and Second Chronicles, and First and Second Kings, and then First and Second Samuel, and slow down. You're getting real close now. There's Ruth. And there's Judges, and then there is Joshua. Turn to the 23rd chapter of the book of Joshua. Now, 
If you've not been with us, oh, there's so much that we've talked about concerning this particular man and, and all that he has done and all that the Lord God has done through him. It's, it's magnificent, the life of this man. But we have come to a place almost in the timing of this time of the year that is, is perfect. Look at verse 14 of chapter 23. Joshua says, Behold, today I am going the way of all the earth. In other words, he says, I'm about to die. I am about to give my life up. And then he says, And you know in all of your hearts and in all of your souls, that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All has been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. To die is mournfully bitter. That's a good quote. But the idea of having to die without having lived is unbearable. No. Death is bitter whether a person has lived their life to the fullest or not. Death is bitter until the Lord God tells us that knowing Him makes death irrelevant, powerless over us. And oh, how Joshua had lived. What a man. His life began in Egypt as a slave under bondage. He now is speaking in the promised land in freedom. In between those two events, God used Joshua mightily. He he led the nation of Israel. He had the privilege of going with 12 men, 11 other men and himself, 12 altogether, and to spy out the land. And, And he came back full of faith saying, we can take these people. Ten of the other spies said, no, we cannot. They're just too big. They're too mighty. We can't go in there. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And that generation failed to trust God and not go into the land. Joshua lived long enough to go into the land and defeat the enemy. He ultimately conquered the land and he claimed the promises of the inheritance that God gave not only to him, but to the nation of Israel. And so now here in Joshua, the 23rd chapter, Joshua is about to, as it says in verse 14, go the way of all the earth. He is about to die. It's a process that will happen to every single one of us. Unless the Lord comes back, takes us, every single one of us will sooner or later die. But what we see for Joshua is that at the end of his long and full life, his greatest concern wasn't for himself. What we'll see in this chapter is that his greatest concern was for his people and their relationship to their God. Why he wasn't concerned about himself is is evident. It was because he believed Scripture. He knew that death was irrelevant. He knew that it was powerless over him. What he wanted was the same for the people he was with. You see, within his life, Joshua's, 
He had placed all of his faith and all of his trust in his Lord and his God and his Savior. He too, like Lazarus, was assured that one day he too would be raised in that day of the resurrection. You see, the Old Testament said as much. He understood that in the book of Isaiah. You don't need to look there, just listen to it. The 26th chapter, the 19th verse. He says, Isaiah does, Your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust will awake with a shout of joy. Death becomes irrelevant. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ reassures us in the book of John, the 5th chapter, the 28th and 29th verse. He says, don't marvel at this, because he says, an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear my voice and will come forth. Those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and to those who committed evil to a resurrection of judgment. The 6th chapter of John, the same book, the 39th and the 40th verse. Jesus says, this is the will of him who has sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but I will raise them up on the last day. Death becomes irrelevant. For this is the will of my Father, he says, that everyone who beholds the Son and everyone who believes in him will have everlasting life. And I myself, Jesus Christ says, I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus renders death irrelevant, powerless over us. Therefore, Joshua didn't want to leave until he told the people once again to love the Lord their God and to keep His commandments. Oh, Joshua loved his people. He knew that his life work with them would be in vain if they failed to keep the covenant, the promises between God and them, if they failed to enjoy the blessings of their inheritance. And so, as you might guess, anyone's last words would be of great importance. Can you imagine what you would say if you knew that this was the last day that you would be alive? What you might say to your husband or your wife what you might say to your children, what you might say to your loved ones. Well, I already know what you'd say. I know that it would be of great importance. Which tells me, since I don't know tomorrow, that I ought to tell my wife how much I love her every day. I make it a practice when I leave home that I kiss my wife like it's going to be the last time. Sometimes she says, no, no, not again, here we go. I tell my kids every day that I love them. Every day that I can talk to them, I tell them I love them. I tell them what a blessing they've been and how much they mean to me and their mother. I tell them that just in case I don't get a chance to tell them that tomorrow. So what does Joshua say? Oh, it would be words that I would love to say to you if I knew this was my last day. When Jesus Christ was upon the cross, the first thing he did just before he died was to make sure his mother was cared for. He said to John, behold your mother. And then she, he said to her, behold your son. He turned the responsibility over to John. And then he uttered the words that Pastor Bill spoke of, 
Good Friday. He said the word tetelestai, it is finished. Everything that I came here to do, all that I am, everything that I came to prove, it is completed, finished, done. The blood that I have shed, Jesus Christ would have told us, for the forgiveness of your sin is complete, finished. Likewise, when Joshua was about to speak, look at verse 2 of chapter 23 of Joshua. What he wanted was everyone to hear. Look, it says that Joshua called for all of Israel. Joshua wanted everyone to hear what he was about to tell them before he was to go the way of the earth. Now, I've found three things that I think of are of most importance of what he is about to say. I'm sure if you looked at the chapter, you could find perhaps more. But the first thing I saw of great importance was in verse 6. Look what he says. I want you to be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. He, he is saying here, this is what I want for you. I want you to keep and to do all that is written within these pages. I, I want you to know what is written for you in here so that you might know what it is that God has is asked of you, what God has commanded of you, what God has given to you. Look at, at Joshua. Look at the first chapter. I've I've told our people that have come here week in and week out over and over again, we'd look back at the first chapter of Joshua. Joshua is just reiterating what Moses said to him concerning God's promises to Israel and to Joshua himself. In chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous and be careful to do, do, according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it, neither to the right nor to the left, so that, note, so that you may have success wherever you go. Joshua wanted his people to find success. And so he says, I want you to keep and to do all that is written within these pages so that you might find success. And then he adds to that, He says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you're going to make your way prosperous. Then you're going to have success. Prosperity and success is given God's prosperity. God's success is given to all of us who will keep and do the things that are written within this book. God wants his success to be your success. He wants his prosperity to be your and my prosperity. And so we are to meditate upon the things of this book. They are to be in our mouth, in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts. We shouldn't stray neither to the right nor to the left from the wonderful things that God has given us within this book so that we might find success. God's success, and we might find prosperity, God's prosperity in all that we do. And then it says in the next verse, verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Don't tremble, don't be dismayed. 
The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, folks, what a day to hear a message like that. What a day we live in today when everybody seems to be worried about what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to my finances, what's going to happen to my future when Joshua would say to you and me if we stood before him as be firm, keep and do all that is written within the book of the law. Don't turn neither to the right nor to the left. You will then find success. You will find prosperity. Be strong and be courageous. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. The Lord God's with you wherever you go. Keep and do. Look at verse 8 now. He says, I want you to do something else. I want you to cling. I want you to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. The word cling is a very interesting word. It's the word that is used in Genesis, the, the second chapter, the 23rd, 24th verse. It is also in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, the 19th chapter. The word cling, the word cleave means to to bond together. It's, it's a marriage word. It says, for this reason, talking about marriage, a, a man should leave his, his mother and his father, and that man should cleave, cling to his wife. The two of them shall become one flesh. The word cleave, the word cling here means it's a bonding word. It's a, a word that holds the two people together through good and difficult times. It is a life commitment word. It is not a life feeling word. Your commitment to your marriage does not, does not hinge upon your feelings towards your wife does not hinge upon your feelings towards your husband. I know this is not a marriage seminar, but let me just go there. This word to cling means it's a bonding word. I am to love my wife regardless of what I feel like towards her. It is my commitment to her and to be bound to her for the rest of my life and Joshua is saying, I want you to cleave, bond yourself together to your guard, to your God, regardless of your circumstances. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. He will not leave you. It might look like it, but he's there. You cleave to him. The Word holds us together no matter the circumstances through our commitment to love our God the rest of our lives. So therefore, in verse 11, after Joshua says, I want you to keep and do the Word of the, God, of the law. I want you to cleave or bound yourself together to God. I want you therefore to love Him. Take diligent heed, it says in verse 11, to love the Lord your God. You see, that's a feeling word. That's a word that may come and may go. But he says, take diligent heed. Be careful. Love the Lord your God all the days of your life. Jesus Christ talked about that word love 
He says this concerning it in the book of John, the 15th chapter, the 13th verse. He says, greater love has no one than to lay down his life for a friend. Greater love has no person than this, to lay down their lives for another. That is exactly what Jesus Christ did on Good Friday. That is the love that He shows you and me. His commitment, His cleaving to us, drives Him to love us. And His love for us was to lay down His life so that you and I might find that when we die, death is powerless over us from that day forward. I want you to turn now. Hold, you don't need to hold your place here. Turn to 1 Corinthians. You, you remember where we were in John? 1 Corinthians a little bit to the right. If you get back to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find the book of Acts goes to the right, then the book of Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. We'll close with this. You see, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross was to make death irrelevant. When He rose from the dead, He took the sting away from death. And He took the mystery away from the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 50, 50, verse 50, 50, He says, Now I say this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He says, behold, I'm telling you a mystery. The mystery is we will not all sleep. That word sleep means die. But we will all be changed. In a moment, verse 52, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. Death is rendered irrelevant at that moment. It says in verse 53, this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable, verse 54, will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, I say, is rendered irrelevant, powerless. Therefore, Paul writes, Death, verse 55, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, he says. The power of sin is the law, God's word. But thanks be to God, Paul writes, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. The death on the cross, the resurrection from the dead, Easter Sunday. Therefore, we can say, Death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? God has taken the sting out of death through His Son, Jesus Christ, the one who we worship on Easter Sunday. That is why Easter is so important to those of us who have trusted and believed in Him. For this church, I might add to you that Easter is every day. We love our risen Savior every single day, every time that we meet. We worship Him. 
And so Easter is everything to those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. And it can be for you too if you're here visiting and and you've never really come to that place uh, where you've just trusted in Him. You've, You've given Him your heart, so to speak. You believe in Him for the forgiveness of your sin. Now, let me say to you, I'm not that old and I've not been a Christian that long that I can't remember and say that's a difficult thing to do. I understand that. If you're here visiting with us, just to flippantly say, oh, trust in Christ, everything will be fine. That's, that's difficult. I understand. I went through that process as a, as a, as a, as a man, trying to whether, whether I should give my heart to Christ or not. And, and really, you mean to say all I have to do is pray and everything's going to be fine? Oh, I don't believe that. But there came a day when I was convinced that I needed to make a decision for Christ. I I needed to ask Him into my heart. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed someone to help me. And I asked Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. It was on March the 12th, 1973. I'll, I'll never forget that day as long as I live. My friends... They say, what are you, crazy? Are you crazy? You've given your heart to Christ. Big deal. How do you know that's all true? I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen God. I've listened to what he says in his, in his Bible, but he's never come to me and said, hey, Johnny, come here. It's going to be okay. Not physically. And so when my friends say to me, you know, you're crazy. You've, you've given your heart to someone you can't see. You've given your heart to someone you don't know. You've trusted everything in him. And I say, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? But I have. Tell me the alternate plan, would you? I look at my friends. What, 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 what should I do? Ah, oh, John, let's have fun. Eat, drink, let's be married. Tomorrow we're going to die. I say, okay, 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 okay. What happens if I do that? Is is there a heaven? Is there a hell? No, no, you're going to be all right. Okay, then, I'm going to be all right. Okay, I'll be all right. But wait, what if, just what if everything that is written in here is true? What if I must give my heart to Christ? What if I must believe in Him then where are you? Then where are you if, if you say it's not true and he says it is and, and you die? What happens? Oh, my friends don't like to talk about that very much. That ends the conversation normally. You know, when Paul gave this message about the resurrection... In the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, we are told that the people that listened to this quote-unquote mystery, that we would all rise again, it says some of them sneered. Just used that word, sneered at him. In other words, he's crazy. And they walked away, it is told to us in Acts chapter 17, verses 32 to 34. Some of them believed 
some of them believed. My heart for you is that you'll believe. My heart for those of us who already believe is that we will believe to such a degree that we will never be the same. That this Easter will change us into a a way that we will walk with Him with serious hearts all the days of our lives. That it won't just be a Sunday thing. It will be a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday thing. It will be a commitment that we make to the Lord our God to keep and do His Word, to cling to Him and to love Him all the days of our lives to the best of our ability. To those of you that are visiting, I ask you to examine Him. We open our doors every Saturday night at 6 and every Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.15. And if you'll come... We make you this promise. We will not try to give you our philosophy on religion. We'll just simply read to you out of this great book that is given to us and study it as best we know how, word by word, line after line, until you can make a decision on your own on what you want to do with this one who is called the Christ. This one who says he has forgiven you your sin. This one who died and rose from the dead so as to prove to you he is exactly who he said he is so that you too might one day by the grace of God ask him to forgive you of your sin and ask him to make you into the type of person that he's created you to be. And I understand that might not be today. But give us an opportunity. Give us a chance. Come back. Listen to the Word of God. Watch what God will do to your heart in time. Allow Him to minister to you as only He can. And so I say to you this morning, Happy Easter. God bless every one of you. I pray that this is a very special day for you. Father, we ask in the name of our Lord and our Savior that you would bless this message, not because I gave it, but because, Father, we want truth to be known. And it is my deepest prayer that, Father, all I gave to the people was what you had written down in the Word of God as truth. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's no more. It's irrelevant to those of us who have trusted in you Jesus Christ, you have proven to us that even though we may die, we will live again on that day of resurrection. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for every single person here. Father, I, as I say every week, I, I love the people that come here. I love every single one. And I pray that you will bless us all and that you will make this day a day of days in all of our lives. For those of us who know you, maybe a deeper commitment to who you are because of just who you are, just because we should. For those here that do not know you yet, I pray they would investigate, Father, that they would give us an opportunity. Come back. Let us explain the things of God to each and every one. 
so that they too one day might say, as Thomas said in the upper room, Oh, my Lord and my God. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for Easter Sunday. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all. Have a wonderful day, and God bless you. Thanks for being here.